I guess we should do this thing, huh? Fuck yeah, let's do this. All right. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Tip to Tip with Lou and Chris. My name is Lou. And my name's still Chris. That's Chris, as usual. One of these days, you're not going to be Chris. It's going to freak me out. Hey, it's me, Johan. (laughs) Why does Johan sound like that? I I don't know. (laughs) I picture Johan enormous with that voice. (laughs) Big and dopey. Yeah. Um... I'd be just funny if, like, on Skype, you weren't you. Like, I looked through, and it was some other fucking, like, like chat roulette style. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. You gotta, gotta I don't know who you chat are. chat roulette window, bro. <laughs> I don't know who you are, but let's do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, what were we doing? Episode 28? Is that where we're at? 28. 28. What happened when you were 28? Do you remember? Anything special? Um... It's very possible I was miserable in a relationship. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe another episode. <laughs> Talk about that. Yeah. I don't remember what I was doing when I was 28, but I know I got married the year before that. So freshly married. Yeah. Wedding bliss. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Could be. Um. Yeah. So episode 28, we are going to be talking today about Tower Video, which... You know, it's, it might be a little confusing because we spent the last two episodes talking about Tower Records. So, uh, why the fuck w- weren't they the same store? Yeah, exactly. We'll get into that here in a minute. Um, first, let's do our occupational breakdown. Occupational breakdown! Breakdown. Break it down. To be honest, like, I'm not sure that a nice melody goes as a, a accoutrement to that screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say not. We'll make it work. Um, yeah, so job name we covered, Tower Video. My position held was clerk, just like Tower Records, and my wage earned was five seventy-five, just like Tower Records. And I was employed three months, I think. Okay. Like probably a little less than three months in that vicinity. Felt like fucking longer, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but uh yeah, it was about probably two to three months. And that was your occupational breakdown. Occupational breakdown. Occupational breakdown. I, I like that. I'm not <laughs> sure why you choose that melody every time, but I think that's the one. Yeah. Occupational breakdown. No, I'm not doing it. No, that's it's good. Not, it's not quite there. You know what? I'll match them up <laughs> in post and we'll see what it sounds like. Give that a voice. That'll be good. Um, You know, I forgot to mention before we completely dive into this bitch. So we talked about me almost joining the Navy last episode. And I I swooped right past it when I was talking about like all the physical stuff they did. You know, with the remember when Stanley looked at my asshole? I sure do. So before that, (laughs) um, you know, we had to take a piss test, the drug test, which was, you know, a pretty important part of the whole thing, I think, for them. Right. And uh, it was the first piss test I ever had to took where the person was looking at my dick while I peed. Whoa. 
Yeah, normally, if, like when you get drug tested for a job, at least me, my experience, they give you a cup, you go into a little bathroom, they tell you to not flush, so you pee in the cup, and then if you have to like pee in the toilet to finish because there's too much pee and it's going <laughs> to overflow, right? They don't they don't want you to flush, so, and then they come in and they take it from you and then they let you wash your hands, but they don't actually like look at you while you're peeing because that's fucked up. In the military, they look. So you can't pull a fast one and have like someone else's pee strapped to your leg or something? Well, that's what's fucking weird, because you're in your fucking underwear. Yeah. yeah. We're, you know, I, I don't get But it. yeah, it was definitely like a line <clears throat> of us peeing in cups while while somebody was watching us. And I swear it was like, some, like they were making eye contact with my dick. Wait, you know? was, was like this that, like a group u- urination? Like, everyone together was peeing in cups at the same time? I kind of remember it that way. I mean, you know, we're talking about 25 years ago or whatever, but I, <laughs> that's kind of what I remember. Fucking group urination. Because <laughs> I don't remember going into, like, a special room. It's I guess it's possible there was a special room, but I don't know. I mean, if it was, it was like... It was like Kevin, our under- Kevin from the office. Yeah, watching Kevin from the office. <laughs> Exactly. Let me see it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm totally gonna watch you pee in that <laughs> cup. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, I, I I don't know why I forgot that, but it made me laugh thinking about it after the fact. Just I I never. I'll tell you right now, it was hard to pee with somebody looking at my dick while I was peeing. Yeah. There was nothing erotic about it. It's fucking bizarre. <laughs> I don't know why I just said that right there. <laughs> there was nothing erotic about. it. Like, the implication is that you would have think there'd be something erotic about it, but I assure you, there wasn't. <laughs> don't ask, I don't, don't think tell, you, I don't think you were thinking there was something erotic about it. I don't think I needed to s- stipulate, but yeah, they definitely didn't ask, and I didn't tell. That's funny. Um, so yeah, I forgot to mention that. I felt like, I, I felt compelled to do so. Yeah, Tower Video. So why, why is there a video store separate from the record store? I mean, I guess because they didn't have enough room. In the that's, record store? That's not a reason. <laughs> you know? That's not well, a reason. So the other thing that's interesting is the classical music store was a different store, too. It was not next to the, the video store. It was like three doors down from the video store. Yeah, so there's three separate entities. Tower Music, or Tower Records, Tower Video, and then Tower Classical, I guess. Yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah, but the tower the tower video was on the corner of uh, Larrabee and Sunset, like about half a block west of Tower Records, and and they rented videos. They rented videos. They sold videos. They sold laser discs. They sold DVDs, which were brand spanking new at the time. Yeah, um, they sold. Uh, you know, they sold like books and tchotchkes that were like movie related basically okay. anything movie it was kind of like a suncoast if you ever went to a suncoast sure, video sure, sure. back in the day it was kind of like that but with tower the tower vibe yeah video rental was pretty pretty big part of the business it was similar to when i worked at warehouse music yeah yeah, yeah. a few years prior what was the first dvd that you bought do you remember so the first dvd i actually bought i was a gift for dan and I bought the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> if I remember, if I remember correctly, now, buying that as a gift is well. Interesting. I think maybe he bought it with my discount, 
at I was working at it's a future job which I will not name right now. Okay. It's only two it's two jobs in the future so we'll get there soon. Okay. But yeah, I think I he had gotten a DVD player brand new at that point. Yeah. And so he I think maybe it was his first DVD but I bought it because it was my job so I had to buy it to get him my employee discount. Yeah. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the Blair Witch Project. I didn't have my own DVD player until geez, probably 2 years after where we're at right now in tower video it was a yeah. while after i was still fucking with vcrs at this point that's funny yeah that movie yeah. terrified me when i first saw it <laughs> Blair Witch project did you yeah. see it in the theater i did and actually i was in ohio with my uncle and my cousins we were visiting my cousins and uh so we were staying at a hotel that was like literally at the edge of this fucking forest like it went on and on and on but we uh saw the movie i was probably when did that come out 98 99 i think 98 no yeah i I think 98 yeah so i was like fucking 10 or 11 or something like that i was terrified of that shit did you think it was real um because that was that was kind of the angle they were playing at right yeah i mean i i think just being stupid kid i thought it was real yeah you know i remember thinking like well this is interesting because it wasn't something i'd seen before and i wasn't a kid i was you know 20 or whatever yeah um or even 21 it probably at that point maybe first fuck 22 first of its kind though that kind of movie yeah i I mean i'm not sure i i it was the first one i was aware of like the found footage yeah yeah exactly but yeah i remember i remember seeing a preview for it and being like what the fuck is this (laughs) you know and then when i saw it i was like oh that's cool it's like it's a cool movie but when you go back to watch it, once you know everything, it's sort of hard to sit through. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, tower Tower Video, man. Uh, pretty easy job. Like I said, I quit Tower Records under kind of a dark cloud. But there wasn't like a, it wasn't like bad. Like there wasn't any kind of naughtiness or like, ooh, he did something bad. You know, everybody treated me like I was just like, oh yeah, we've, we've seen him around. I've been renting movies there for while I was an employee at Tower Records and Jacqueline still was working there. So I was familiar with like most of the staff and they knew kind of who I was, but it was interesting because they knew who I was. They didn't really know me. And then all of a sudden I was getting to know these people and they had all these preconceived notions about me, you know? Right. Like she, she didn't talk a lot of shit or anything, but they sort of like, they kind of knew less than I thought they should. Honestly, like, like some of them didn't know that me and her had moved to, LA together from another place like they just thought we knew each other somehow so it was like they were talking about her like she wasn't my ex-girlfriend of five years wow and I was like you know I I, not that it matters but you know that like she and I were dating right like it's not just she's not just like an acquaintance of mine (laughs) like it's very I I remember getting a not an argument but I remember getting a thing with one of the employees because I was saying something kind of critical about I don't remember exactly, but the the girl was like not understanding that Jacqueline and I had had a previous relationship. And she's like, "Why do you even care?" And I'm like, "I mean, I, why 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 do I care? Like, I don't know how to answer that. I guess I feel invested." Did that know? bother you? Did it make yeah. you feel like insignificant? I mean, it made me feel like yeah, kinda. It sort of made me feel like I wasn't worth talking about. Now, I understand the situation, so I understand why she hadn't told people kind of who I was to her, but 
I remember feeling kind of, I remember being caught off guard by it kind of and sort of hurt by it, but understanding intellectually. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know that I was that mature at the point at that point, but I remember thinking like, oh, that, that burns a little bit. You used <laughs> you know? to shoulder check her. <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't. I don't remember working a lot of shifts with her. Like, you know, we had set schedules and I think maybe we only worked like one night together. If that, I don't remember it being like, I remember there being a lot of at work kind of interactions. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just blocking it. Maybe it was like three days a week for four months, and I'm just like completely blocking my my memories out. I don't know. Can you remember but, what her reaction was when you came to work there? I think she was fine with it. I don't think she didn't give me a hard time about it. I remember asked. I remember telling her I was going to do it, and her being like, "Okay," but I don't remember if she was like. I don't know if I got a vibe from her one way or the other, truthfully. She played it pretty close to the vest. I'm going to be honest with you. She was not giving me a lot of emotional anything at that point. And just just to catch up, what is your relationship like at this point? I'm still trying to be friends with her, like talking on the phone a couple of, you know, occasionally and like trying to be involved in her life and she's sort of trying to allow me to be, but it feels that way to me. It feels like, well, yeah, it felt like I was trying and she was allowing and I would get as much as she would allow, Mm. you know? And, you know, I'm, I still sort of had feelings like we might get back together, which is fucking stupid, but I sort of had those feelings. And so I remember, I don't remember like trying there was nothing I was doing to try to actively make that happen, but I was trying not to burn any bridges, I think, you know? Yeah, I get that. I was trying to be available if she needed a fucking shoulder, and, you know, I remember at one point I gave her money for groceries or something, like, that kind of thing, and I, she had let me stay at her apartment one night when I was in need of a place to stay, like, between the whole, you know, Stephanie and John scenario yeah. that happened last episode. Yeah. I remember staying at her apartment. She had a, it was her and a roommate and her roommate was actually a manager at tower video. This, this uh, chick named Ashley, who was super cute, very weird, but cute. She had a ferret, but, uh, <laughs> that's, that's definitely and she, a weird girl thing. And she gave me zero vibes because I thought she was very attractive and she was like, not, she looked through me like I was a window. She was, but I digress. That thought you like, manipulated her into having an open relationship kind of shit i don't know if she knew even anything i don't think her and jacqueline were like friends i think they worked together and they're roommates so well they were roommates but i think they just needed a place to stay they just needed rent you know paid and so i don't think they i don't think they hung out i don't think they really knew each other that well okay i don't know that i don't know that they talked about anything personal honestly I don't really know. I didn't get the vibe. I got the vibe. She was just not interested at all in whatever my deal was, which, you know, it's her right. But I definitely played with her ferret. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a double entendre? (laughs) No. I don't remember it being a thing. She worked there. I worked there. We were friendly, passed like ships in the night sometimes. Uh, She lived her life. I lived mine. Uh, I was slowly melting down emotionally. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we'll get into that more in a minute. My first day working at Tower Video, you know, do you know who Guy Pierce is, the actor? He was in um, L.A. Confidential. He was in Memento. He's the main guy yes, in Memento, yes. covered in tattoos. Yeah. 
he came in the first day I worked at Tower Video <laughs> to rent movies. And I chatted him up because I was like, oh, fuck, that's Guy Pierce. I know that fucking guy. And uh, he was super nice, very skinny. Like, like he's fit, you know what I mean? He's like yeah. ripped, but he's small. Like, he's a lean fucking guy. And he looked tiny to me. Like, I was like, fuck. How tall like, is he? I don't know, a little shorter than me, I think. Okay. I just remember thinking that he looked like he looked like I could pick him up and spin him around. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, he just looked small to me. But he was super nice. He actually ended up coming in a lot, like, during that period of time. Just, you know, renting videos, returning videos. I remember seeing him, like, three or four times the first week or two that I worked there. Like, he just come in. He was very chatty and nice and friendly. And, yeah, I remember thinking, like, ah, oh, Guy Pierce is cool. I've always liked him since then. I liked him before, but, yeah, Guy that, Pierce. I yeah. fuck with Guy Pierce. <laughs> I loved L.A. Confidential. We talked about L.A. Confidential, actually, in uh, the Town and Country episode where I held the door open and peed out it while watching the, yes, the yes. employee screening of it. So years later, I'm rang that motherfucker up for videos. You know what? Whenever I think of L.A. Confidential, <laughs> what? I think of the scene when uh, when um, Cameron Crowe? Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. <laughs> Russell Crowe goes to the police station. There's the Hispanic dudes, and they, like, arrest these Hispanic dudes. And the one guy goes to Russell Crowe. He's like, and fuck your mother. And Russell Crowe, he's like, fuck you. (laughs) His delivery is, like, so funny. And then he, like, punches the guy in the face. (laughs) Russell Crowe is awesome in that. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, that's probably in my top ten of all time. I love that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, Russell Crowe is, I'm a fan. I don't know, some people maybe aren't so much, but I've, do you ever see The Insider? He plays like a whistleblower for a a tobacco company. Al Pacino plays a, like a a reporter on one of those 60 Minutes 2020 type shows. No, I didn't. It's based on a true story, but Russell Crowe's, he's in that. He's, it's one of those worlds where he like gained weight and he got his fucking hair is like thinning and he's like out of shape and his fucking acting in that is fantastic. Like that's one of those roles where i'm like god damn acting is cool you know like, oh yeah there's a couple of those for me um that's one uh damian lewis is another guy who does a lot of those roles where i'm like fuck that guy can act you know what i mean is you that, know who damian lewis is is that the guy from homeland uh yes yeah yeah and he's great band of brothers yeah i fucking he he may be my favorite actor of all time what actually. was he in band of brothers or who was he? he's fucking winters he's the main dude through the through the series he's the guy that like he's the guy that's like in basically goes from being like a lieutenant or like a the guy that's like helping david schwimmer during basic training stuff during the paratrooper school and then by the end he's like running that company he's running easy company but he's in like every episode he's a fucking probably the main character of the show i would think <laughs> okay yeah yeah he's awesome and he's fucking british but I didn't know that for years because I never heard him in his normal accent. I only heard him do American accents or whatever. So, right. But yeah, he's fucking awesome. He's 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 a killer. He's an axe murderer. I love that guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there was celebrities. It was it wasn't quite Tower Records, but similar. And the celebrities tend to be more uh, like a different vibe. Weirdly, I think I saw more music people at the video store than I saw at the record store. Like, I remember ringing up Jerry Cantrell. Yeah. 
who I, I love Alice in Chains, so I was super stoked on that one. Very, very nice. Danzig used to come in all the time. Danzig is exactly what you think Danzig would be. Which is to say, fuck that guy. (laughs) Yeah, he looks like a fucking tree trunk just walking around the store. No neck. Long, thinning black hair. Yeah, he used to browse the videos. Guess which section he was in a lot. 18 and You know. No, fucking horror. Horror movies. (laughs) (laughs) There was a nice porno section there, though. I used to rent a a lot of porn while working. They had real porn at that tower video. Yeah. Not not this bullshit Skinamax stuff. But yeah, Rob Zombie used to come in a lot. He used to come in with uh what his wife, I guess. What's her name? Sherry Moon or something like that. She's she's in his movies. She's blonde, okay, yeah. Tr- cute. Um yeah, they used to come in a lot. Very friendly, very nice people. Nick Cage came in once and wore a fucking motorcycle helmet the whole time, like with the black visor down. And we didn't know who the fuck it was. It was this guy walking around the store for 45 minutes in a black motorcycle helmet. And then when he when he came to the counter to get rung up, he put the visor up and it was Nick Cage. What the fuck? <laughs> like when he was looking I, at the videos, was the he visor was like, down? He was browsing with the fucking helmet on and the visor down. <laughs> what, <a> fucking, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, we, we made fun of that for hours afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Um, yeah, Drew Barrymore used to come in there a lot. Yeah. Very, very nice. I already liked her, and then, like, helping her at the store developed, like, a huge crush on her. Like, she's just everything you think she's going to be. She was great. Was she vibing you at all? No, she was not. I, uh, yeah. I would, I would, I think if she had been, I would have not believed it and just pretended like she wasn't. Yeah. But she was definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sold uh, two pornos to Tori Spelling and Vincent Young. Now, you know who Tori Spelling is. Vincent Young was an actor that was also on 90210, and they were dating at that time. Okay. And I remember thinking it was the fucking funniest thing ever. Yeah. Just selling pornos to Tor- Tori Spelling. Like, no judgment, man. Fucking awesome. But I remember just being like, I just sold porn to Tori Spelling. That's a fucking... What? what the- you don't remember the kind of video it was to you? No, no, you're lucky I remember there was two. <laughs> I'm so curious. <laughs> I know, I don't remember. It wasn't anything weird. It, if it okay. was weird, I would have made a note of it in my journal or something. It was just porn. It was just whatever. But, yeah, I remember thinking that was fucking fantastic. Yeah, that's hilarious. And one of my favorite celebrity stories is actually not my story, but it's. I think it's so funny, and I think it's worth telling. Yeah. But uh, Quentin Tarantino, which I, I used to see him occasionally around, like in this in the record store, I saw him once. And I used to, I saw him having lunch on Sunset Boulevard at one of those nice restaurants people take their their agent to or whatever. Yeah. But he came into Tower Video and Jacqueline was working, and he made a comment to her about like I don't remember exactly what he said to her, but it was something like you know why are you wh- what's going on with the laser disc section? It seems to be like shrinking. Because he's a fucking cinephile guy, and he would, like, buy everything, and he wanted, like, the best shit and the most obscure shit. And I guess their Laserdisc section was slowly shrinking to make room for their new DVD section. Right. Right? And she basically was like, yeah, you know, they're they're making room for the DVDs, which are going to be, like, the the next thing. And he was, like, super pretentious and, like, you don't know what you're talking about, okay? 
laser discs are superior in every way <laughs> that kind of thing like oh, basically telling God. her that she would she didn't know what she was talking about that like laser discs weren't going anywhere and that D- like dvds were a flash in the pan and a fad and they were going to be gone <laughs> as quick as they as they began and you know like giving her a hard time she's like you know like he's like one of these i'm in the industry dudes you know and yeah. she's like all right buddy <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, if you say so, you're the expert. And then fucking, of course, fucking Laserdisc. Like, nobody even knows the fuck a Laserdisc is anymore. Right. But, yeah, it was hilarious to me. Like, I like, Quentin Tarantino's awesome. His movies are fucking titans. But, goddamn, (laughs) he didn't see the writing on the wall when it came to Laserdiscs and DVDs. (laughs) Fucking Laserdiscs. Yeah. I I wanted a Laserdisc player so bad back in the day. I'm so glad I didn't spend like nine hundred dollars on one. Oh my god, thousand dollars on one. Did Dan have you one? To, no, no, he went straight from VHS to DVD. <laughs> he saw the writing on the wall before Tarantino did. <laughs> Titan of the industry is. Yeah, yeah. He, I, he, he didn't see the forest for the trees on that one. I think, but dude, Laserdisc, you have to like flip them over halfway through, like a fucking record. <laughs> Fuck that! Watching the movie and you have to flip that shit over. I. Yeah, I mean, media, the trend with media is it's shrinking, <laughs> and then it goes away, and then you have a fucking USB drive. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it'll just be a, a thing in our eyeball that, yeah, exactly. that reads the cloud. I hope I live long enough to get implants. <laughs> like, fucking eye implants and, like, ear implants, like, ocular, and, and so I can hear, like, basically putting an MP3 player in my fucking head, you know? That's fucking You listen weird, to music, though. and no one can hear it. No one around you can hear it. Yeah, they're called headphones. Yeah, but you can't. They people don't really tell you have them <laughs> but on. These ones face. are built inside of you. <laughs> these are inside your headphones. <laughs> uh, they won't fall off when you're running. I love you, Lou. I love you too. <laughs> um, yeah, they won't fall I, off when you're running. <laughs> during uh, during the time that I was working here. I actually wrote my second script. So I didn't mention it, actually. I wrote my first script when we first got to... I started working on it a little before we moved to California. And then me and Aaron basically co-wrote it while we were living together when we first moved into that apartment that we were in in uh, Hollywood. Yeah. We wrote our script together and finished it, and it was awesome. And then they moved and so i was like all right so i'll I'm gonna start my next script and i spent this whole period when i was working at tower video writing my second script was it a movie or what was it yeah they were both they're both movies feature feature length spec scripts gonna give us some background or um i mean the first script that we wrote the one me and aaron worked on is about a band on tour like an indie band on a tour and kind of just their shenanigans they get into and then the script I wrote, my second script here, was about two straight-edge brothers who were, like, super militant, and then the younger brother of the two, who's, like, high school age, meets a girl and, you know, falls for her, and she's not straight-edge, and very running a parallel to sort of some of the things I was going through in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> Seemed fitting to write that story right then. Yeah. So and that's what that was about, and then obviously what happens thereof it causes a rift between him, him and his brother because his brother is like pretty hardcore. Not a not a bad, not a bad idea. It's not a great script. 
<laughs> Needs some rewrites. It's not something I would ever show anybody as is. Right. It is something I'd consider like maybe working on again and you know fixing up a little bit. But yeah, I was spending a lot of my free time doing that when I was home. And I actually was writing those scripts freehand, like on paper, because I didn't have a computer. That's cool. So, yeah, Aaron had a computer, so when I was living with him, we wrote the first script on his computer, and then the second script I wrote by hand, and I think I transcribed it at some point, because I have it, like, printed up. On like, a typewriter? So, no, like, I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking typewriter. Have you ever used a typewriter? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Damn. I haven't. It seems like a lot of work. Well, <laughs> Can you so, imagine writing a whole fucking book like that? Yeah, that would be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> That's the guy from Stephen Misery. King did it like a zillion times. Oh, my God. Yeah, my mom and uh, her family owned an insurance company, and they had typewriters before they had computers, so... But they nice. weren't they weren't like the fucking black metal, and you had to, like, push the thing back. Yeah, they were like automatic. They were yeah. more like com- a computer without a screen. Exactly. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think yeah. my mom had that shit too when I was a kid. I never wrote on a typewriter. I mean, I f- I think I used one at some point, but not like other than just like clickety clackety. I never yeah. wrote anything on it. Just seemed like a, like I said, it seemed like a lot of fucking work. For sure. Um. So something pretty seminal happened in this period of time in June of that year which would have been 1999 guitar world magazine, which is one of the bigger guitar magazines ran an article about the emo scene. Mm. And it was, I think maybe the second time I had seen the word emo in print. And the the first time was an article in like teen people about (laughs) this new genre of music that, that the kids were going crazy for. Yeah. And it was featured the promise ring very heavily. That's Um, huge. And then, but this article was more about like the music and the bands. And I remember they, there was like maybe four or five bands that they kind of, they kind of highlighted in this article. And one of them was Braid. And so I'm looking at this fucking, this Guitar World magazine or guitar, and I'm like seeing a picture of a guy I used to be in bands with, like looking back at me. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I was I remember being so frustrated. I'm like, we were we're we were doing things. We're moving forward. We're in a band. We're playing this kind of music. These are like our peers, and they fucking left. <laughs> you know what I mean? They fucking left. And like whatever, whether or not they left or I pushed them away or you know, I, I don't have a time machine. I can't go back and watch myself be an asshole or not. But at the time, I was like, they fucking quit on me. You know, they, we were doing this thing, they quit. And then three months later, two months later, the fucking article comes out that I'm like, this, this kind of music is now going to be a thing people have heard of when we try to get shows and we say we were an emo band, people are going to know what that is now. They didn't know before. Now these bands are getting exposure. It's like, it meant, it meant something, you know? And I, I was just like, fuck, I was so, I was so pissed, but I also I also remember feeling like I could go back to Illinois and re- restart the band, you know. And I don't I don't know why I wasn't like I'm just going to meet new people and start a band. I guess I'm a little too antisocial or something. My instinct is like, well, I could just move back to Chicago and the band is there for me if I move back. Right. You know, that's kind of how I felt. 
But that was like, I remember the first seeds being planted of me maybe moving back where that feeling of like, oh, I'm going to fucking miss the boat on this. You know what I mean? But yeah, I was pretty irritated. Other than that article, was there a lot more kind of shining light on emo? No. The To give you like an example, um, the biggest show you're going to get as that kind of a band in Chicago was like the Metro. Yeah. But you weren't even probably going to sell out the Metro. You would be able to like sell out the Fireside Bowl whatever that means, sell it out. Enough people are in there that it's packed. What would you say, but, like 200 people? Or yeah, is that... 150, 200 maybe. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. And just but not for people, if they're listening in different states, what would you say the Metro holds? Um, I don't thousand? know. 1,000 maybe? 1,500 maybe? Maybe under. No, probably under 1,000. I'm sure I could look it up. Here, let's see if we can see if we can look it up. It sucks, though, too, because, you know, in the last episode, you were talking about how you saw Midwest on the marquee, you know? I mean, it's... Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of those moments for me. So, uh, 1,100 okay. is the capacity of the Metro between the main floor and the balcony. The Troubadour is very similar to the Metro. It's a little smaller than the Metro, but the Troubadour in LA is a good analog, in my opinion. Hmm. But, yeah, I mean... If you could get a thousand kids at an emo show back in the 90s, that was pretty fucking good. Yeah. I remember we saw Jimmy Eat World at the Troubadour in late 98, I think. They they hadn't put out Clarity yet, I don't think. I think it was right before Clarity came out. They play and anything it from was, it? Huh? They play anything from Clarity? Yeah. Yeah, they played a bunch of stuff from Clarity. They didn't play everything. Like, they didn't play fucking uh, <laughs> good, goodbye sky harbor or anything Holy shit. but but yeah they played like um the denver mint song what's that called new denver mint lucky denver mint lucky denver mint yeah they played that shit and that was like a radio that was on the radio at the time and that was one of the first times we were hearing like an emo band on the radio really alternative uh, yeah you know it was it, it was starting to move in that direction you know like every couple of months there would be a little more push but it wasn't getting like huge. It wasn't blowing up, you know. Yeah. It was like a, a slow build. But I didn't know when it was going to happen. I didn't know how big it was going to get or not get. And I just remember thinking, like, "Fuck, it's happening," and we're not there, you know. Like it just—I remember feeling really shitty about that. It's heartbreaking but, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking sucked. Now, looking back now and knowing where it went, which is basically. Dashboard confessional got huge, and then suddenly people thought that was emo, and it—it's it, really not. I mean, he played with emo bands, and he was friends with emo people, and it, it's like periphery to emo. But it, that what he was doing was fucking folk music. You know what I mean? Right. Like more or less, you know. But I like it. It's just it wasn't what we we were doing, and I was like, why are people calling that emo? And then Fallout Boy, which is basically like a pop punk band. I remember being like, that's not really what, and then fucking the worst offender, which is uh, My Chemical Romance, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, this is, it's fine, you know, there's stuff I like about it, but I'm like, this is not representative of what anybody's doing in this scene, and then all of a sudden, that's what the scene is. Now, you know, looking back, you've got your first wave, your second wave, your third wave, like people who like emo kind of 
parse it that way. But to me, that third wave where it got huge, that's when emo became like a hot topic term and yeah. everybody associated with fucking like sadness. Eyeliner, and, yeah. Yeah. Eyeliner and, and fucking suicide and shit. Like emo for me was like a lot more just like dorky kids playing music and, and screaming because they couldn't get girlfriends, you know? And like then all of a sudden it's this weird kind of very gothy, dark, almost more metally, you know? Yeah. Like, I remember people saying that fucking The Used was emo, and I was like, The Used is, like, post-hardcore more than it's anything else. It's just, like, it's almost metal, you know what I mean? Even but, hearing people, like, call a Treyu emo. Uh, yeah, that's metalcore. Right. That's straight up just metal and hardcore mixed together, and I don't know what else you'd call it. That's To me, that's the definition of yeah. metalcore. And I like Atreyu. At least I did for a couple of albums. For but, sure. But yeah, I don't know. It, it didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out with emo. But in this moment, the second wave stuff that I was kind of feeling connected to was starting to get bigger. And I was like, oh, man, the fuck, guys? Uh, yeah. So eh, whatever. Um, so it was probably right after that Guitar Player magazine article that I started talking to Dan about coming back. And it was sort of that, and it was sort of like, I was seeing Jacqueline everywhere. Like, I'd be walking down the street, and I'd see her fucking drive by with her new boyfriend, or I'd see her on the corner waiting to cross the street, or I was just like, fuck, like, I kind of can't move on, you know? Like, I was having, I can move on physically, you know? Yeah. That's not a problem for me. But, like, emotionally, I didn't feel like I could move on. And then, at the same time, the shit with the band, like, kind of making me feel pushed away and then i remember calling dan and just feeling a real sense of like i miss being around people that care about me that i've known for a long time you know i had some friends but they weren't good friends they were new you know yeah they didn't really know me and i, I just missed being around people who knew me and who i felt like really i could be myself around and that's when i really started thinking like i might move back it was very much a like am I going to admit defeat or not, you know? And do I stay here just to prove a point, which That's is kind of what I was doing. <laughs> totally how you are, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't want to go back. Cause I'm basically admitting that I, I shouldn't be here and that sucks. And also it takes a lot of effort to get somewhere, you know? So yeah, for sure. I was like, fuck, I don't, I, I didn't miss Illinois, but I missed my friends and I, and I, I saw the potential of like good things could happen if I went back and I saw bad things happening if I stayed. So I was like, um, I remember there being like a couple of weeks, if that of me, like waffling, like, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? And then at some point I just t told Dan like, yeah, I'm going to come back. And he was excited to like get an apartment and get out of his parents' house. Cause he had to end up moving back with his parents well, after me, I left. Let me ask you really quick too, because last we left it i think you were just staying at john's apartment right yeah so where the fuck are you now and i'm still this, there all this yeah, time this whole time yeah i went from the apartment that i was living in with the band and the girlfriend i stayed with that other girl for i don't know a week or two and then i stayed on like people's couches here and there for a minute and then john let me move in with him before his girlfriend left for the summer and then she left and then i was at his place 
And it was actually kind of cool. Like it was me and him and his dog in his apartment, two bedroom apartment in West Hollywood, like a pretty nice place, had a pool and shit. It was real like modern and like more expensive than anything I could have fucking afford. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember feeling like pretty comfortable there. You know, I had a key <laughs> come and go as I please. <laughs> he was, he was really cool. Like I, he, he was really, really cool. I, felt a kinship with him you know what i mean we got along really well had the same sense of humor and he was a lot of fun to be around and then i had mentioned last episode this guy tim who was in charge of the cassette section at tower records and so around the time that i moved or that i went to the video store tim and me started hanging out a lot more and he wanted to be a director he was like trying to get his first movie made and um so we kind of had that in common and he was just like a really nice guy. He was funny. He's a little older than, than me. Um, I actually didn't know how much older cause he told me he was younger than he actually was, which I found out later, which was sort of stunning. <laughs> like he lied about his age, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. But, uh, he, he had moved to California with a friend and a girl who was also a friend, but that he had like a huge thing for, and that girl worked at the video store. Ooh. Her name was Kelly. And so I had heard about Kelly from him because he was basically in love with her and it wasn't reciprocated. And then I started working with her <laughs> and it was very bizarre because I was suddenly becoming acquainted with her personally, like getting to know her a little bit and trying not to like let on that I already knew her, you know, yeah. <laughs> to a degree. But around the time that this happened because they were living together the three of them around the time of this happened they had a falling out and he moved out and he moved in with john and me so he was sleeping on the couch in the living room and okay. i was sleeping in one of the guests one of the bedrooms and john was sleeping in the other bedroom and like most of that summer that was the deal the three of us living together hanging out together tim would you know smoke weed and you know drink and basically pine and we'd talk about how miserable we both were you know and like and it was sort of unhealthy like it was weird because when we first met it was very like he was gonna make a movie and and he was trying to like find a part for me in it you know because i wanted to act and stuff and so it was like we were gonna do this thing we we're gonna kind of be creative together and it felt very positive yeah and then when he ended up moving out of his place and moving in with with john he was very negative because of what had happened, I guess, you know, like, you know, you're in love with somebody and they don't feel the same way about you. And, but he just was really, <clears throat> he was very hurt by it. And he started talking about, he wanted, he was maybe going to go back to where he came from in the Midwest too. And sort of like, that was around the same time that I was thinking about going back and I was like, well, fuck the only, the only reason I would stay here is because I want to do shit with him. And if he's going to go back and he's not even wanting to be here what the fuck, you know? So it was sort of like a lot of things happen at once to make me feel like, I don't, there's nothing here for me, you know? Yeah. Um, it's really sad to think back about because like a dude was fucking awesome and I didn't know what to say to him, you know, other than like, you're like, don't let this fucking, don't let it beat you, you know? But he just was really not in a good, good place either. And I was not really in a good place to be trying to give him advice <laughs> Yeah. about it. Um, but yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember I, I was starting to get in, in out of shape because I wasn't going to the gym anymore because I didn't have a gym membership after I left the apartment with uh, the band and everything, and I started to get soft. 
And then I started to feel shitty about it. So I got back on the fucking, I stopped eating Panda Express and I got back on the thing. You know, like I, when I first moved in with John, we were going to Panda Express every day and going to Pinks and shit. You know, just, I got, I got fat real quick. Like not fat, but you know what I mean? Like I lost every cut I had in like 10 minutes. Fuck. It was, fucked. It was like I had abs and then I ate Pinks and I didn't have abs anymore. It was fucking, <laughs> I have that type of genetics where I get fat really easily. Yeah. You know, so it's good because I can also put on muscle really easily. So it's why I can get big pretty fast. But fuck, I get fat so easy. But I remember at one point I was eating like a fucking rabbit and trying to get and I was running every day, like an hour, hour and a half every day and trying to get back in shape. And I remember I had this fucking dream that, and I was looking at a strawberry, you know, like a long john donut usually they're chocolate yeah i was looking at a long john but it was strawberry it had like the pink frosting Mm -hmm. and it was on a pedestal and it was floating slightly above the pedestal and slowly spinning (laughs) and in the dream i was sexually aroused by the i was like like it was a sex dream about a fucking pastry and i woke up fully erect what the and i was like i have a fucking real problem with sweets man I have a real issue with food. Oh my god! I'll never forget that fucking dream. I woke up. I was so confused. I woke up and I was like, "What the fuck? That's really What's weird. wrong with me? Just eat a donut, man. <laughs> it's not that big a deal." <laughs> fuck it. But uh, yeah, at this t- around this time too, John was throwing a lot of parties. So he would he would basically invite a bunch of people over and everybody would drink and you know get rowdy and sometimes it was chill and sometimes it was crazy and you know like we we talked a, a little about those parties before and there was a couple of them that summer but I remember so Stephanie we we talked about yelled at me in the back room of the Alice Cooper in store yeah and that sort of was the nail in the coffin of my working at Tower Records <laughs> yeah I don't know how long maybe a couple of weeks not that long. But, like, she cooled off, and then I would see her at social, like, gatherings like this. She'd show up, and because she was invited, because she was friends with the same people. And I wasn't like, no, don't, she's not allowed to come over. You know, <laughs> like, I didn't <laughs> care, whatever. But I was kind of cold. Like, I we sort of ignored each other the first couple of times. And then slowly she was, like, starting to be friendly with me again. And I was like, that's fine. You can be friendly. But I wasn't, you know, me. Yeah. Like, I'm a, I, I usually I learned my lesson. But... I remember people saying like, are you, are you in, are you going to be friends with her again? She's, she really wants to like talk to you. And I was like, I really don't want to have that talk. But at some point we had a talk, like we left a party to go take a walk. And she basically told me that she was sorry. She flipped out on me, but you know, she kind of held her ground that I was inappropriate in the amount of stuff I told Steph or uh, Sally or whatever. And I was like, "Eh, that's your opinion. I didn't, I wasn't trying to like make you feel shitty. I just was answering a question. Did but, she explain why she kicked you out? No. I mean, I remember I didn't really care. I didn't want answers. Like we were taking a walk so that she could just say her piece and her piece was basically like, sorry, I yelled at you, but I want to be cool. And I'm like, we can be cool. Like we can be friendly. I think she wanted to be friends. I was like, we can be friendly. <laughs> you know, like I don't remember being like, yeah, let's right back to where we were. Yeah. But I swear, like, not maybe one or two times after that, hanging out one of these parties. And at one point, I was in John's bedroom, and it was me and Tim and Sally and Stephanie on John's bed, just, like, talking and hanging out. And you know enough. So, first of all, they were three had been been drinking. And, of course, I, I was stone cold fucking sober. 
But you know me well enough to know that I can sense where the vibe is going. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, I can tell where this is heading. Okay. I've been in a, I've been in a handful of, of foursomes. <laughs> I've, I've been down this road before. I know, I know what happens, like where we are right now, how we're, how people are being physically with each other, the like vibe in the room. I know three steps down the line, somebody's fucking shirts coming off. Yeah. I've been down this road and I'm like, okay, I'm really attracted to Sally. Stephanie is fine, but I don't know that I want to like reopen that door. So you said tim john just tim sally stephanie and me okay sally was the one that was friends with uh the the porno actor guy yeah and i i was i had the hots for her for sure and she had a boyfriend for like a good chunk of this if not still at this point i don't really remember but you know alcohol was flowing people were feeling funky and i just remember thinking like this is gonna go a direction i have to make a decision about it you know what i mean yeah and then at some point Tim's shirt came off and I was like yeah kind of saw check one box Uh uh-huh I was like okay that's the beginning of that and then I was like okay I'm I'm out I don't want like the amount I want to do this thing is outweighed by the amount I don't want to do these other things (laughs) so I was like I'm not this is not I don't want this and so I got up to leave and of course they were like no don't don't leave you know that kind of thing and I was like I'm good and and Tim was like very much like, nah, man, come on, stay. Because I think he was like, if you leave, it's going to fuck up the vibe. Yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry. I, I'm see you guys later. <laughs> and I bounced out of there and I never found out if anything happened. They stayed in the room and Tim would not tell me. He, he basically was like, nothing happened. I don't know if he was just being like coy. I didn't know him well enough to know. And I, I wasn't going to be pushy. He was cagey. And I was like, oh, he doesn't want to talk about it. So that's yeah. fine. Hopefully something happened and he enjoyed himself. But, yeah. And that's one of the few times I've left in that kind of situation and not later been like, I should have stayed. Yeah. You know? Usually I have that, like, I should have stayed vibe. This one I was like, I'm good with it. I'm good with that choice. Hmm. Uh, Yeah. I was uh, was in a bad place emotionally at this point. And just not not knowing what I was going to do if, like... So John's girlfriend's coming back in like the end of August, maybe even the middle of August. So I was like, okay, I got like two or three weeks to figure out if I'm, if I'm going to stay or not. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to try to find an apartment. I don't want to have to like blah, blah, blah. I was yeah. like, I don't want to deal with all that. I just want to go back and hang out with my friends. <clears throat> and so I called Dan and I was like, I'm in, let's do it. Come so, get me. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, I was like, he, he, I was basically like, gave him permission to start looking for apartments, you know? Yeah. And it was kind of interesting. I, I've never really done that before, but he found an apartment and I was like, yeah, whatever. If you're happy with it, I'm happy with it. And it was going to be me. It was him in a master bedroom, me in a den. And then the other bedroom was going to be this guy, Ed, and this other guy, Mike. They were going to, they were going to share a bedroom. So it was going to be four of us in a two bedroom and a den apartment. But it meant my rent was going to be like, I don't know, under 300 something pretty cheap. Sweet. So, yeah, I was like, I'll take it. Let's do it. So I remember having to sign the lease and fax it at Tower Records using their fax machine, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was like, basically, I was like, all right, now I know where I'm going. How do I get there? And I also remember feeling like kind of relieved, like, oh, I'm going to be 
out of this situation. I'm going to not have to like feel uncomfortable and I don't know where I'm going to go and what's happening. And I can be, I can kind of move on from my fucked up breakup, you know? Yeah. But I don't remember how it happened, but Aaron was like, I'm taking a road trip and I'm going to be near there. Do you want me to just come get you? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, if you want. So we kind of planned it and I don't, I, I think they moved in the apartment and then like a week later is when Aaron came and got me and did he still have a minivan? Yeah, he totally showed up with the minivan. I remember he, he was like, he called me from, I don't know where in the middle of the country, Colorado or something the night before. And he was like, okay, I'm going to be there tomorrow. So I packed all my shit. I got my shit ready at, at John's place. And then the next day at some point in the middle of the day, Aaron showed up with the minivan and we packed up the, packed up the van. And I, I remember going into tower when Jacqueline was working to say goodbye like and knowing like this probably gonna be the last time I ever see her. What was that like? You know? I remember it being very chill. Good luck with everything. Keep in touch. Give her a hug. You know, good luck in all your future endeavors. Kind of a vibe. I don't remember crying or anything. Did you feel it. sad? Yeah, I felt sad. Kind of feel sad thinking about it right now. To be honest with you, <laughs> just thinking, remembering that the the moment and that time. And what kind of what was her kind of um, vibe with it? She seemed like she felt like it was the right move. I remember her saying, "Like, do whatever's going to make you happy." When I told her I was thinking about moving back, she didn't try to talk me out of it. Um, I don't know that she wanted me to leave necessarily, but I don't think she wanted me to stay either. <laughs> you know, I think she probably thought it was would be okay if I wasn't there anymore. Yeah. You know, let her get on with her life, too, and not have to fucking see my ass all over the place, either. Did I tell you before? I can't remember if I told you in one of the previous episodes, but I went to see a movie, and I was sitting on the floor of the fucking theater. It was at the Beverly Connection, which doesn't exist anymore. But I was sitting on the floor, like, waiting for the previous movie to end so that they could, so we could go in for... And I was alone. I used to see movies alone a lot during this period. I would fucking... You know, I'd have days off of work and shit, and if John was working or something, and I didn't have friends I want to hang out with, I would just hang out alone all day. I'd go for a run. I'd walk to a movie. I'd see, like, two or three movies in a day. I'd walk to a movie theater, see a movie, leave and walk to another movie theater, see another movie. I just was, like, spending a lot of time with me. And But, yeah, I remember I was sitting on the floor waiting for the fucking theater to get out, and the, the doors opened, and the people who had seen the previous movie started coming out, and fucking Jacqueline and her new boyfriend came out of the theater holding hands, and I'm sitting on the floor, and they didn't see me, I don't think, but I remember being like, fuck, I'm never going to escape this. <laughs> like, why the fuck is that, that happening? You know, LA's fucking huge. There's they, so they many people. See you. Not that they didn't say anything if they did. And we've never, I never, I don't think I ever asked her. And I don't think, she, I think she, by now she might have said something if they had. But yeah, I don't think they saw me. But I was so like, the universe is fucking with me. That's how it felt. I was like, like, I'm already feeling shitty. And then, you know what else is kind of funny? It's, it sort of reminds me of when uh, Jamie left our apartment and her boyfriend was sitting on the floor of the hall out there. <laughs> I was suddenly the fucking boyfriend sitting on the floor. <laughs> It's not the same. I was getting exactly what I deserved is how it felt. I really felt like the universe was punishing me and I'm just like, oh, fuck. 
Like I just guess I guess I just have to live through it. But like, what are the odds? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we both like movies, so maybe the odds are better. Because, but there's like tons of movie theaters in the area, and I don't know. I just remember thinking, like, what the fuck are the odds of that? You know? I think someone was trying to tell you you need some space. Maybe not move back to Chicago, but <laughs> go to the valley. <laughs> you got <laughs> to the valley. <laughs> I'll tell you what. If I hadn't met my wife, I probably would regret that move. I probably shouldn't have moved back. I probably should have just left LA, like that area. Like if I got another job and wasn't in Hollywood, you know, there's Ellie's a big place. I could have done something else and avoided seeing her every 10 minutes. But because I'm at my wife, I feel good about it. It feels like kismet, you know, feels like it was supposed to happen. However, it was supposed to happen. But yeah, there was, there was a lot of signs, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, Aaron fucking showed up. He picked me up, gave John a hug, said thanks for everything. And we drove down to Newport Beach to pick up the stuff that I had left at my mom's apartment, which like all my extra stuff that I didn't need like daily. And then we drove to the beach just to like look at it for a minute. Like we sat and just looked at the water for a little while just to kind of soak it up. And then we left. We drove through Vegas, through Colorado. We took the kind of northern route. I remember we got to Vegas. It was night. We got off the freeway and drove down the strip. And I was like, yep, that's Vegas. And then we get back on the freeway. <laughs> like that's the only time I've been to Vegas. Didn't even get out of the car, I don't think. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I fucking, we drove the whole thing in one go. Stopped to like pee, stopped to get snacks. I think we stopped at a restaurant once to eat. Aaron slept for part of it. I didn't sleep at all. Fuck. Drove straight from fucking LA to Chicago. Took like 35 hours. Even when I wasn't driving, I couldn't sleep. I was just so like wired. What was what was going through your mind when you guys were sitting on that beach? Because we kind of just like went right past that, but this is fucking such a huge time i mean even just like listening back to those previous two episodes like this is just such a huge time in your life yeah you know what it feels like to me it feels like the this is one of the forks a very big significant fork in the road and my life would have been you know little decisions like do i should i get taco bell for dinner or you know fucking pizza <laughs> like everything's a fork in the road yeah. but there's certain forks that are fucking huge where your whole life is going to be different if you do this or that right and this was very clearly that like if i had stayed my entire life would be different now uh, we could play the would it be better or wouldn't wouldn't it game i guess but yeah i remember feeling at that moment like i made the choice and i'm just gonna go i didn't feel you know so i when i joined the navy and i was like waffling and i was like ah do i do i go just because i made a commitment or should i not go because if i go i'm gonna be in a position i really don't want to be in and it's gonna get me in a worse you know i i saw myself being in the navy and three months four months in just not wanting to like take shit anymore from drill sergeants or not wanting to fucking shave every day or just whatever, you know, like whatever thing it was going to be that was going to like trigger me and make me be like, this is fucking shitty. And then 
all I can do to get out of it is act like an asshole or maybe get caught sucking someone's dick. But like I would get out of it somehow. Right. Probably. Court, or I'd maybe end up with a court martial. Yeah, yeah. Like it could have gone that way. And so I'm like, okay, when I look at it, I'm like, that's the option. I either go and it ends up shitty or I fucking make a choice now to not go. And I made the choice to not go. This wasn't cut and dry like that. I was like, I could stay here and probably make a life for myself and it, it, I'd be fine. But I really just wanted to get back to familiar people and, and, you know, feel comfortable again, not feel completely disoriented. And I, you know, I, I was tired of like asking help from strangers, you know, and like, I don't know. I just felt very alone. And so when Aaron came and got me, I felt like I'm going to not feel alone anymore. It's going to feel really good to not feel that way. And that's, I think, was the overwhelming feeling of, like, I'm so relieved to not feel alone anymore. Because I felt alone for, I don't know, maybe eight months at that point. Where I just felt, like, completely isolated from everybody that mattered to me, you know? Yeah. And it was fucked up. But, you know, it's fucked up in that first world way. It's not fucked up like I was sexually molested or I'm starving on the street or, you know, I'm still fucking white and male and capable of not sleeping on park benches because I can manipulate people into letting me stay at their house, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I remember feeling pretty low and that moment on the beach, I was basically like saying goodbye to this time. You know, and I and I also felt like oh, I'll go recharge my batteries. I'll get myself in a good headspace, and then maybe I'll come back. I remember thinking like that nothing says I can't go back and forth as many fucking times as I want. You know, there's no rule that says you can't move to California, live there for a year, move to Chicago, live there for a year, move back to California, live there for a year, move to New York, live there for a year, move to you know what I mean? Like you yeah. could do that if you want. It doesn't mean anything. So I was like, it's not like I'm leaving and I just can't come back. I didn't fucking sign a contract. <laughs> You know, I didn't right. at the moment of truth. I got up and I said, I'm gay. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I didn't feel like it was a, I just needed to like recharge my batteries. It's kind of how I felt, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that fucking drive was epic though, dude. At a certain point when I realized like, I'm not going to sleep. I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to fucking power. I'm going to, can I make it? Can I stay? Can I stay awake this whole fucking drive? And <laughs> goddamn, I did. I didn't take any fucking uppers or Adderall or nothing. <laughs> yeah. Just Mountain Dew and pure will. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember we left on Tuesday. Probably left on Tuesday around like 5 or 6. Because after we looked at the, at the beach, we got tacos. And then, um, yeah, I remember when we got to Vegas, which was probably about a four, four or five hour drive from L.A. It was nighttime. So we left on Tuesday right before nighttime and then we got to uh, illinois thursday at 5 a.m is when we got to the apartment wow and it was funny because i got there and i and i started unloading my shit and then dan was like leaving for work so you know we hugged and chatted for a minute and then he went to work and he had short hair when i had left <laughs> he had long hair and then he had suddenly had short hair and we'd be like fuck he's got short hair yeah. like i knew he had he told me he cut it but yeah, and it he was started pretty modeling epic. for Calvin Klein. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. He was a handsome devil. Handsome as fuck. Yeah, he didn't think it. That was a weird time. We'll talk about that in the next episode, but there's some interesting stuff there to talk about. 
But yeah, I, I remember moving all my shit in, and then I remember talking to Ed and Mike because they were there yeah. for a while, like just telling them stories and asking questions. And I had so I don't know if I've talked about Ed before. Ed was a guy who worked at the theater with us. He'd worked at Ridge, and then he moved to Town and Country, and then he had been promoted to uh, being a supervisor, or assistant manager, or something at Ridge at that point. But he worked at Town and Country with me when I worked there. Yeah, he was around and. You know, we hung out with him a lot, went to like concerts and shit. He liked music too. So he was around a lot then. And then Mike, he was around, same kind of thing. He's the guy whose brother worked at UPS with the swastika, the, the circle slash swastika <laughs> tattoo. Yeah. So that his older brother, his younger brother, Mike, uh, moved in with us and we lived together. And I didn't know him that well. Like I knew him acquaintance, but he's, a, he was a super funny, weird guy, um, had some fucking crazy stories, did crazy shit. Like, I don't even... The two things that when I think of him, the first two things that come to mind, which he'd probably be annoyed with me for having these be the top two, but the first one was he got a shirt made that said, if abortion is wrong, I don't want to be right. (laughs) Just to get a rise out of people, just to, like, wear it in public and see what would happen. And I swear he, like, got in fights because of that shirt. Another thing I think of is he told me a story where he was like driving across, like driving back from Michigan or something. And it was like nighttime and he's alone in his car and he'd like cut somebody off accidentally. Like he drove like an asshole, but not on purpose and pissed some guy off. And then the guy was like following him, like flashing his brights and like pulling up next to him, like telling him to pull over. Like he's going to kick his ass. And Mike is like, well, I'm not going to drive the whole way with this guy in my ass. Eventually, I'm going to have to pull over. So he's like, I'll just pull over and we'll talk about it. And I'll just explain that I'm sorry, you know, and we'll move on with our lives. Like, he can be an adult. So he pulls over and the guy gets out of his car. And they, like, Mike starts to talk to him. And the guy just punches him out, knocks him out cold. <laughs> and then and then Mike wakes up. He, like, wakes up some undetermined amount of time later, just on the side of the road, just at night, just <laughs> laying there. He gets up and, like, dusts himself off and gets back in his car and continues to drive. <laughs> and it's, like, funny because it didn't kill him. But that's the kind of shit. That's the kind of stories this fucking guy has. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot of really funny moments. And the thing about him, though, is he's, like, he was a really fucking smart guy. Like, way smarter than he had any right to be. Really funny, like really good sense of humor. Super into progressive rock, like way into prog rock. It was his favorite type of music, which I thought was weird because he was like seventeen. Yeah. When I when when he was he moved in with us when he was seventeen, so he was like fucking not even eighteen yet. But yeah, we used to hang out like all the time, and and he was just like, it was fucking Mike. It's a weird dude, but made me laugh a lot. Had a bit of a falling out with him that we'll talk about maybe in a future episode, but. I wish him the best. I hope he's out there enjoying himself. And yet, so the thing that's funny is I didn't actually go to bed. Like you think I'd get home and unpack all my shit and chat with him for a minute and then go to bed. Yeah. I was like, fuck it. I'm up. Let's do this. I had a full day. I went to bed at like a normal time, like 1130 at night that night. I did the math. and I was awake for 62 hours straight. Oh, that's unreal, dude. And I had a fucking stutter for like a couple of weeks after. Like it fucked my brain up. Yeah. Yeah, I'd never done that before, again, but... <laughs> did, did you sleep a normal amount of time when you f- went to sleep, or did yeah. you fall asleep for like no, five I think days? I, I think, no, I think I slept for like 10 hours, okay. like, a nor- like, a, like a solid, like slept in on the weekend kind of sleep, Yeah, but it didn't fix me. I remember just being a little off, you know what I mean, for, for a while. Yeah. 
you know what my least favorite thing about working at Tower Video was? What? They had the Ticketmaster booth at the video store, and so we had to do Ticketmaster on sales. Oh, that sounds annoying. It sucked. And it was, I dreaded it every time, and there was times where, like, I so didn't want to do it. And the last time I did it, I don't remember who who he was. I, it was someone like Babyface, but I don't think it was Babyface. But it was like one of those fucking like R and B producer guys. Yeah, that was like pretty well known. And I remember we, he got into it with me about tickets for some reason. I can't remember what it was, but he, and I was like my, I think I had one or two days left before I was leaving for good. <laughs> so I was just completely fucking over it. But the guy was like, you know, mad at me and like yelling, and he's like, you know who I am? I was like, I don't give a fuck who you are, man. Like you, you don't mean anything to me. <laughs> and, he, and he's like you know where's your manager i was like fuck off and i just walk away and then later i can't remember which mitch manager one of them i think it might have actually been ashley the one that i was talking about that was really cute with the ferret yeah but she's like what'd you what'd you say to that guy i was like fuck that guy what did you say to Babyface? <laughs> yeah i don't it's i don't think it was Babyface, but it was someone like that and at the time i knew and i didn't fucking write about it in my journals i went back and looked because i'm like who the fuck was that but it was some like r&b pretty well-known producer guy yeah and he was i just remember being like do you know who i am like I don't fucking care who you are man i just remember being like fuck off <laughs> what did he, he was just yelling at you as you were walking away he was yeah he was like pissed at me for something that i did with it like i didn't when with tickets it was so like you just try to get them as fast as you can when it was like an on sale and then you get what you get and sometimes the system would glitch or it would fucking freeze so like i didn't get the fucking tickets he wanted or something but i hated that that fucking whole thing was bullshit yeah i wish i remembered who that who it was it would be a, a better story if i could say let's just say it was babyface <laughs> <laughs> fucking dickhead <laughs> fuck that guy oh man what would you give this shit on the pp scale you know the job itself i'd say is an eight i wasn't in the best headspace around it but the job was easy it was chill you could wear what the fuck you wanted we used to get free fucking food all the time because people like who worked in the area would come in. They were really friendly with us, you know? And yeah, it was one of those places where like, you knew all the people that worked in the stores nearby. Oh, actually one thing I forgot when I first got the job there, I remember, so I used to take my breaks. I just go sit on the stairs outside and I'd sit like on Larrabee and the Viper room entrance is right across the street. And I remember like early on when I'm sitting there, I realized like, River Phoenix died on the side rock right there. Like, cause I remember when reading about it back when it happened and he, he was, he had, he OD in the Viper room and they took him outside and he died on outside on the right, right there. Yeah. I remember like, I was like, fuck. I remember thinking like, fuck, that's like, that's like weird. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is a weird place. <laughs> Living here is weird. Were you on edibles? Yeah. No, but if I had been, I, my lips would have felt tight. <laughs> My lips feel tight. <laughs> you know what's funny about that? I, I can't remember if I told you this afterwards, but I at some point took my shirt off. <laughs> it wasn't while we were doing the podcast, right? <laughs> right, no. At some point after I we stopped recording, <laughs> and I'm fucking high out of my gourd, and then I went into the living room, and Tammy's like, why aren't you wearing a shirt? And I was like, I don't know. I don't remember taking it off. And she's like, did you record the episode without a shirt? And I'm like, maybe. 
<laughs> I fucking wish you did. I couldn't remember if I had taken my shirt off while we were recording. I'm like, I think it would have got stuck on my headphones. But <laughs> yeah, fucking weird. And then we we proceeded to. I told you we watched. Uh, we were looking at like Hulu. Yeah. And there was like a Muppet kind of a show that was the screensaver was just Muppets <laughs> yeah. and we sat and looked at the Muppets for like 20 minutes and I was just like tripping out on Elmo like why is his arms like that and then we watched Bob Ross for probably about an hour and then I went to bed it's so ridiculous <laughs> but yeah I don't know when my shirt came off but I went out to the living room and I wasn't wearing a shirt and my wife's like where is your shirt <laughs> why aren't you wearing a shirt <laughs> what were you doing in that room where you need to take your shirt off <laughs> Yeah, d- drugs. I don't know. I don't know if it's a. I don't know if it's a good combination. Me and drugs. Very funny. That is funny though. All right. Uh, you know what we're talking about the next episode? What's that? <sighs> we're gonna be talking about Menards. <laughs> do, do you know what Menards is? <laughs> we go from <laughs> fucking hanging out with celebrities in Hollywood to fucking <laughs> Menards and Palatine. I'm guessing. Yep, Palatine, Illinois. It is the polar opposite of Tower. Menards is a it's a uh, hardware store, I guess. It's like a Lowe's or a Home Home Depot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I worked at Menards. We're going to talk about that, and uh, it's not going to be as interesting as these last two, but (laughs) we'll we'll do our best. (laughs) (laughs) And um, just to just to clarify you gave it an eight on the pp scale it's an eight on the pp scale with the tower the tower video what i get tower records nine yeah yeah an eight it wasn't quite what tower records was but it was pretty close yeah i enjoyed it i enjoy you i love you so much i love you too we're gonna enjoy each other next time as well i'll see you at menards bro all right let me sell you some fucking nails (laughs) 